Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Medical School HQ Podcast, session number 22. Welcome back to the Medical School HQ Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Gray, and we are the podcast about medical school, where we take you through the pre-med process, medical school, and even through residency. We're here to take your knowledge of becoming a physician to the next level. Before we get started with today's interview, I want to remind you that we're here not only to talk to you, but also to listen, to hear your comments. We've been hearing some great stuff, and we want to keep hearing it. We want you to interact, and to interact with us, there's three things you can do. You can follow us on Twitter at Medical School HQ. You can email us at feedback at medicalschoolhq.net, or you can go to the show notes for today's session, which you can find at medicalschoolhq.net slash session 22, and leave a comment there on the post. Just like I did last week, I want to say thank you for a great review that was left in iTunes for us, another five-star review by Jazzy P-H-E, or Jazzy Fee. Uh, they left us a great, um, a great review, and we appreciate it. If you haven't left us a review yet, we would appreciate it. The reviews in iTunes help boost our overall visibility in iTunes iTunes so that other pre-med students, other med students can find us and hopefully get good value from us. I want to introduce our guest for today, Allison Greco. She is a fourth-year medical student at Jefferson, and she blogs at MD2B, which is MD2Bgrecoa3.com. Allison and I talk about her journey to where she is now from a small high school, how she chose her undergraduate college, and also how that choice affected her building relationships in undergrad, which ultimately led her to getting into Jefferson. We talk about the match process a lot and what it was like 
to go through the match process, how the residency interviews are, if they're different than the medical school interviews, and basically just some some good overall advice that Allison has to share with us. To start the interview, I asked her when she knew she wanted to be a physician. So I wanted to be a doctor pretty much my entire life. Uh, My dad's a physician. He is in rural primary care. So I worked in his office. I did all kinds of filing and answering phones and confirming appointments and got to really know his patients um, when I was in high school. So that was really fun. And I kind of saw myself going to practice with him one day. Um, so I knew when I was looking for looking at colleges, I, I wanted to go somewhere that had an, a great pre-med program. But I didn't want to go too far from home. Like I said, I was from a rural community. My high school class had about 64 kids in it, very small. So I knew I wanted to go to a small undergrad school. Uh, I picked the University of Scranton. It was close to home, not too, but not too close. But, you know, my parents were on top of me. Um, they had a great pre-med program. And I honestly went to visit it and just fell in love. Uh, they offered me a pretty good scholarship, which was nice con- considering I already kind of knew that I wanted to go into medicine and I knew I'd have like all these loans racking up. Uh, so that was like like the clinch, the, I was clinch the deal and that's where I decided to go and I, I would have never gone anywhere else. I loved it. It was a great experience. Awesome. So I... I... I like the fact that you just mentioned that you wanted to go to a school with a great pre-med program. Because when you mm-hmm. when you look on the internet, there seems to be a million and one questions out there comparing, uh, I want to go to Emory or Notre Dame, which one has the better pre-med program? Or mm-hmm. School X, School Y, which one has the better pre-med program? And I always argue mm-hmm. and make the argument that the best pre-med program is whatever school that you can, you personally can fit in the best with. It's not necessarily the program that makes you great. It's, it's how you fit into a school, whether that's the environment, location, faculty, other oh, students. Ex- explain what you meant by a great pre-med program and what Scranton had as a great pre-med program. So for me, it was the small class sizes. I got to know my, the pre-med advisor, she knew me by name. She knew who I was. I wasn't just, you know, another applicant. And then my course advisor, just my sort of generic biology advisor, got to know me incredibly well. And we're actually still in contact. I did research with him. And because of all that, I think my letters of recommendation were really good. Um, so I think that that's really important. You know, it's, you're not submitting this generic, you know, so-and-so was a great student, very generic, and the things they had to say about me were very personal, and I think that stands out. Um, I was able to get one-on-one advice when I needed it, very, you know, very tailored to what, to, to me and my personality. And, and when it eventually came time that I had, you know, a couple acceptances to med school, I got great advice about this is where you sh- this is what you should consider you know you shouldn't you should consider where you're going to be happiest and i think now looking back on everything and you know the med school application process and then the residency application process i think what you said is true of all of them you know you're going to excel in a place where you fit in with your peers you you know you get along with the faculty and you can really learn well so i think it, across the board it's just great that's great advice yeah and and i think what you pointed out the small size is key because I, I always talk about building relationships with whoever you you meet in life. 
for an mm-hmm. advisor, for a letter of recommendation, for whatever, those relationships and that, that personal touch that you can that you did get mm-hmm. uh, is definitely key. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about uh, medical school choices. So you picked a great undergraduate school because of the, the their quote-unquote pre-med program. How did you choose the medical school that you wanted to go to? It was... My med school decision was was rough. Um, I was kind of in between staying at a smaller school, um, one of the newer medical schools that's pop, that, that have kind of popped up in the last couple of years, or going to Jefferson, which has been around for forever, basically. And uh, since I'd gone to a small school from undergrad, I came from a small town, I thought it was more of a personal decision for me to just get out there and, you know, go out to a a place that I'd never lived before, go out to the city, and which was fantastic just for me on a personal level. But then in addition to that, Jefferson offered such, there's such a bigger diversity of patients that I've gotten to see, and it, it's a really, it, that creates a great learning environment. You're seeing everything because it's a tertiary care hospital. You're seeing the sickest of the sick and all these patients referred from community hospitals. So I think in terms of a learning experience, that was that was a smarter decision, at least for me. I mean, it's not you know not everyone wants wants that down the road. So that's that's another personal choice. Okay. Looking back, if if you could, did you think at all about your future career and say, I, "This is what I I picture myself doing in the future. This is the type of medical school that's going to help me." Interestingly, um, since I initially wanted to go into practice with my dad, I was—I thought I was going to do royal primary care. I came into medical school. That was what I was going to do. And Jefferson actually has a physician shortage program. So I was able to, you know, got into that program and have been working alongside some other students who just all came from rural areas, kind of had the same background. It's been a great resource for me. So with that said, when I came to Jefferson, it kind of changed my perspective. And I think that's important for students to, to kind of keep in mind, too. If you, you have an open mind, you, you might surprise yourself. Because now that I'm here in the city and working in this academic institution, I, I just think it, my personality and my career goals just fit in so much better there. So it all, it all works out, and I think you need to keep an open mind. That's, that's funny you mentioned that, because I, I vividly remember my first couple weeks in medical school going through talking to all the advisors about what my goals were and talking specifically, I said, this is the only reason I'm here is because I want to do orthopedics period. End of story. Mm -hmm. And they all kind of look at me and go, okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody changes their mind. Don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. A hundred. I mean, and even now, now that all my friends and everyone is matched, it's kind of funny to go back and think about what everyone came in and their, what their ideas were. And, it was exciting to see where everyone ended up. Yeah. But I agree with that. Keep an open mind. Okay. So at what point, let's kind of go through your med med school life now. At what point mm-hmm. did you start to have that revelation of, okay, rural medicine maybe isn't for me. Where in the path did you did you have that revelation? Was it doing an internal medicine rotation or was it something else? Um, it was actually, I did a rural family medicine rotation, which was a fabulous rotation. I loved it, and I learned a lot, and everyone was just so nice, and it was really a great experience. And when I went there, I just realized I wasn't 
it just wasn't, I didn't like the pace as much. I don't know. I guess I wasn't as happy doing it. And then interestingly, um, we did inpatient and outpatient as part of the family med rotation. And I realized I was just so much happier in the hospital, like that just seeing patients in the hospital sort of pace or for lack of a better way of explaining it. And that's when the aha moment, like having those two primary care or like office clinic setting back to back with hospital setting, I realized I need to work in a hospital. And, and that was that one family med rotation made my decision for me. Okay. So you like the hospital. You like dealing with kind of the acuteness of being in a hospital. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So at, at Jefferson, how do the sub-eyes work there? Okay. Um, so we, we're required to do an inpatient and outpatient sub-eye. You can, and you can do this, the sub-eyes wherever. So you could apply and do an away rotation. For your sub, if you, if you were trying to go, you know, if you had somewhere in mind that you wanted to end up in the long run, I kind of was interested in staying in at least the tri-state area, so I stayed at Jefferson. Okay. I didn't; it wasn't worth the hassle to schedule something elsewhere. So, way rotation meaning if you you're at Jefferson, if you knew you wanted to go do your residency out in California, you would try to go do an away rotation out there. Yep, exactly. Okay, so for for people that are listening and aren't quite to this level yet and don't understand what a sub-I is, the sub-internship is kind of your job interview for residency programs, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. How many sub-I's did you do? I did, I did one. Um, actually, the way I, just to kind of, I guess, back up, the way I scheduled my year is I did an inpatient general medicine rotation as my quote-unquote sub-I, and then I did um, an ICU rotation, and I did an inpatient cardiology rotation. And they were kind of my core medicine electives, and I actually was able to get letters of recommendation for, from all of those that I then was able to use later in the year when I did my residency application, if that makes sense. Okay. And you applied for internal medicine? Yes. Okay. Let's talk about the, the, the dreaded match process. And this is, <laughs> this is when I, I kind of first, not first reached out, but when I reached out to you this time, I said, hey, let's, let's talk about the match because it just happened in mid-March when it always happens. Let's, Yay. let's, let's talk about the, the, this aura that, that, that is the match. Sure. What, what do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know anything. I can't stand that thing. <laughs> Uh, so the, the match, yeah, the match, let, let's talk about how you went about choosing residencies to apply to through the match. Um, okay. The first thing for me I mentioned is I was kind of geographically limited. My family's from PA, my fiance's here in PA. It was just kind of knew I wanted to stay between, um, Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, Maryland, that sort of area. That was the first, you know, that was the first cut on some of the other, you know, you can limit, you can limit your choices based on that pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, uh, our school has, we call them subspecialty advisors. Uh, so for me, it ended up being one of the assistant program directors in the internal medicine department here at Jefferson and their faculty members, they volunteer and they want to help students, you know, in their quest to become whatever sort of position they want to be. So I met with this um, faculty member and because she was affiliated with the residency program, she was able to say, you know, 
these are your board scores, this is what your grade, these are what your grades are. These are kinds of programs that you you are competitive for. So that was really helpful. And, you know, based on where I told her that I wanted to end up, she was able to give me a list of programs. And and that's really where I came, that's really where I made most of my list from. Okay. How many programs did you apply to? I applied to, I think it ended up being 18. And then I only did nine interviews. Okay. So let's talk about that interview process. I, re- I remember okay. when I went through it, you randomly get an email, right? That's saying, hey, yep. you've, you've been accepted for an interview or invited yep. for an interview. And then it's a mad scramble, right? Cause it's, what was it's, that? It's a mad scramble because the interview is a kind of a first come, first serve process, at least um, when I went through it. Yeah, they are. I think it's, it's worse for people doing com- more competitive specialties like neurosurgery or ortho or you know, opto or anything like that. I, and I have a friend in, close, close friend in Durham who was just, I think she got an email for an interview and emailed back by the end of the day because she was on rotation and, you know, couldn't be on her phone. And that quickly, it had, the, all the interviews had filled up. So I think for those specialties, that part's a little frustrating and can, more than a little frustrating and confusing. But for me, I'd, I'd never had a problem scheduling. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you go on your interview. How would you compare a residency interview to a med school interview? It, I had, Well, it was actually much more laid back in a sense that residency programs want you as much as you want that. I was so much more nervous for medical school interviews. It was the end of the world if I, you know, had to reapply next year. But for residency, the end game is still you're, you're going to be a physician and you're going to match somewhere. So it it wasn't quite as bad. Um, and the long days, lots of travel, so that, that can get expensive and kind of wear on you. But overall, I got to meet some great people from all over the place, kind of share stories with people. What are you doing? How do you, how's your curriculum? And kind of just talk. And that, I thought that was really fun. Um, they give you free food. They usually take you out to dinner the night before, you know, you're traveling, you're not going to go out, you know, have to spend even more money um, to get dinner. So the residency programs usually take you out or at least provide some kind of food for you. So it's very fun, very fun experience. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And you you said it that the programs want you as much as you want them because mm-hmm. they they need workers, and yep. if they don't if they don't fill all of their spots, then they're in trouble. So they they want you. And the fact that you're getting an interview, they've pre screened everybody, and it's not mm-hmm. it's not like a med school secondary where kind of everybody gets one. Uh, obviously, right. interviews for med school are, are a lot more um, scrutinized as far as the application. But right. residency, if you've gotten an interview, there's a good chance that you have a, a, a chance to go there. And right. the what do I, I always say that the, the residency interview is more about them finding out if they can put up with you for three or four or five years. Yep. Or, <laughs> but making sure you're not... Super crazy, you know. I agree. Yeah, because they have to work side by side with you for eighty hours a week, and they want to make sure that you're fun to hang out with. Right. Exactly. So not as bad. Definitely not as bad. Okay. What's What's the hardest question you got on the interview trail? I had one interview where 
the interviewer asked me these weird philosophical questions, like rapid fire. So it wasn't just one, like, what is failure? Like, I could handle that. But it was, what is failure? What frustrates you? And um, how do you define a good day? It was back to back to back, like, just very strange questions. (laughs) And I... After a while, I was like, "Oh my god!" But I think, I think in the end, it, w- it was fine. I was probably harder on myself than than anyone else. Yeah. Um, but it was it definitely that. Was, they were the hardest questions. Okay. So you go on nine interviews. So you have a potential of nine programs to rank. Mm-hmm. And for those that that are listening that don't quite understand the match yet. You go on your interviews and you rank all of the schools that, uh, from one to nine in, in your case, that, mm-hmm. or the, the residency programs, one to nine, that you want to go to. How did you, again, besides kind of location, how did you rank one to nine? Um, well, for me, fellowship was a big thing. Um, I wanted to go to a program that was reputable, that that would set me up well to do fellowship if I if I chose. And then... In addition to to sort of having that goal at the end of at the end of the road, I also wanted a program that would help me decide what fellowship I wanted or if I wanted a fellowship. So I knew, uh, for example, Jefferson. Uh, it ended up being my number one choice. They have opportunities to rotate not only in general medicine, but you rotate through the cardiology service, you rotate through the hemonc service. So I knew there were lots of opportunities to see each and every single one of the subspecialties and then to really help me make my decision. So that was important to me. Um, I mentioned diversity before. Diversity of the patient population is extremely important to me. I just think to be a great physician, you really need to see a little bit of everything. So that I wanted to be in a city. I wanted to work at a tertiary care hospital. Um, so that those were sort of my main criteria, I guess, I used to rank my programs. Okay. And finding out those criteria, do you, do you find that out when you go for the interview day and learn about the program? Is that when you learn all about the program? For, the, uh, for me, it's about half and half. I mean, I, I always read before my interviews. I'd go online, look up the program, learn what I could. And then from what I learned online, I would kind of, well, you know, this question wasn't answered. I don't know what the, match, the fellowship match rate was. And then I would come up with questions. And tip, spoiler alert, tip for everyone interviewing in the future is to always ask questions at the end of your interview. So that's what I would do the night before. I'd re- I would look at the website, come up with my questions, and then I would ask my interviewer. And then usually anything that wasn't answered, really at some point during the interview day, during some informational session or in some pamphlet, everything got answered at some point. Did you have a go-to question that you asked most people? Well, for me, I asked about writing opportunities because that's really important to me. And having a chance to freelance, um, asking about social media policies at at the different institutions, um, that that was my my one go-to. And I liked it because I I don't think anyone else had it. I don't know. I like to think that. (laughs) That's interesting. I I don't know if I would have thought. I didn't do what you're doing online back then, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would have thought about that. Did, Did somebody recommend you ask that question? No, um, I thought of it myself. Um, I wanted to, for one, first and foremost, I knew I wanted to keep writing and blogging. I, 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 I want to do that down the road. And I know that 
certain schools and programs have, you know, their own policies about it. So I wanted to make sure that I knew about it and kind of knew what I was getting into ahead of time. Um, and with that said, I, you know, I have some other, like, I would love, I would love to get into just the media and writing for the news and things like that. So this is like, like, I don't know, you, dream job or something You want to be like the that. next uh, Dr. Gupta. You put words in my mouth. <laughs> Good old Sanjay. But um, yeah, so you know, I wanted to go. I think those opportunities to really, you know, be yourself. Like you can't. You still have to have your opportunities to do the other things that you enjoy. So for me, that's that's it. Writing and and all those things. So I wanted to go to a program that would allow me to do that. And if if it was just the fact that, oh, sure, you can do your blog then that, that's good. But, and then, for example, Jefferson is very close to the ACP. So writing for the ACP would be fantastic. What is that? Who knows? What was that? The ECP? Is that what you said? The ACP, ACP. Uh, American College of Physicians. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All so, right. So we'll talk about your blog in, in one second. I want to get to the actual match day for you and kind of the the highs and lows of that day. Once you click submit on your rank list, that's kind of the 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 anxiety provoking moment, and then you have to wait right until match day. Right. What was that right. like? Well, the interesting thing I have to I don't know if I want to complain. I don't know the inter the interface online when that you click submit, it's kind of interesting because normally you save like. If you're submitting something online, whether it be an assignment for school or a blog post or whatever it is, you save it first and then you certify it after. Maybe it's just me, but the the system that the NRMP uses, the the match um, organization uses to do this, you just click submit and you can you can change your list as many times as you want until their deadline. Their deadline was February 20th at nine o'clock. So. I could keep changing it. So I, I clicked submit and then I probably went back and checked like increasing frequency up until that nine o'clock deadline. Just to make sure all your that, answers were okay. the same? Just to make sure I was, what if I put something wrong? What if I didn't list the categorical and I listed a prelim and then I was okay. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. Okay. And then match day. You had, how, how did Jefferson do the match day? Thank goodness. Jefferson is very, everyone goes to the audit, auditorium. You can bring the significant other, usually husband, wife, um, that kind of thing. And then the dean speaks and then they just distribute your letters. You actually sit with um, your advisor. So there's lots of, mm, we're, I guess I'm looking for like stations. So there's like 10 people to an advisor. So you don't have to wait in these extremely long lines to get a letter. The, the advisors distribute your letter right at noon and then you can open the letter there or you could take it and, you know, open it by yourself in your apartment. So you, it really was whatever you wanted to do, which was fabulous. That's nice. I, I always cringe when I see videos online of schools that one by one bring you up on stage and you open your envelope and read it out loud. Oh my god, I've been petrified. <laughs> I don't know what I would have done. I, I just I feel bad for somebody that that doesn't get their what they truly want. And and a word right. of wisdom for people out there: don't rank a program that if you open that envelope, you're going to be mad. Right, right. 
So, but even even then, I one of my good friends, he just breaks out hysterically crying, and we were all like really worried. We're like, what happened? And it ended up she was just so happy. <laughs> I'm like, I couldn't imagine having that reaction and then being on stage. And Jefferson has one of the biggest classes in the country. There's 260 of us. Wow. So having to do that in front of 260 people, oh my god, terrifying. Wow. Let's talk. <laughs> Let's talk about your online presence, which is how I first came to find you. And I don't know how I stumbled across your blog to begin with, but why yeah. did you why did you start your blog? So interestingly, it's kind of funny that I actually got started because I was so frustrated. I was on Twitter and I would re- and I was following other physician bloggers, and I was really frustrated by all this pushback there was against medical students blogging. And I was just so annoyed because I just thought it was ridiculous because if you can be a professional human being in person, there is no reason why you can't be professional online. So I, I kind of started as a, see what looks like shaking my fist, like this is what I can do. And so initially I started blogging about, about how, what I shared online and what was appropriate to share online and how med students could be online and use it to their advantage Uh, And then it kind of morphed into more of me talking about my experiences and, and really actually sharing more advice for pre-meds. I I have a pre-med audience as well. And, uh, you know, junior medical students, things like that. And it's kind of funny to see like where it's come like over the last two years now that I've been doing it. So it's really interesting. So you started off rebellious Thinking, yeah, thinking the, the pen was mightier than the sword. Yeah. What what kind of pushback were you did did you see on Twitter? Was it just the fact that do you think there was pre med or med students out there that were sharing too much and and other physician bloggers were getting mad that they were sharing too much or what were you seeing? Well, in general, I mean, I I think the one of the last straws for me was I went to this professionalism lecture lecture in person, not online, and this. The person speaking just really emphasized about how medical students shouldn't be doing it. If you want to apply to residency, delete your Facebook, delete your Twitter, delete, you know, XYZ, because you need to delete it before you even think about applying because, you know, everything is permanent once it's out there. Ah. And at the, at the time, I was like, I've studied communications. I'm a writer. There, why, why, should I, why should I take this down? I just don't understand. And... I, I was kind of offended. So that was the kind of greatest pushback I got. Um, I've had other people say things to me in person, like, oh, you blog, it's, you blog, you know, it's lame. But <laughs> I think when you're doing it for a purpose, like I don't, I, at least I don't try to just write and complain or vent about things. I, I don't like that. But I, I try and do it to, to help people with a purpose. Um, so I think interestingly, um, when I applied, when I actually did apply to residency and met with my advisor and actually the subspecialty advisor I met with, both of them were fabulous and so supportive and just told me how incredible it was. And I actually listed on my CV, my Twitter handle, and they were just like, oh my God, we've never seen this before. And I was like, really? Because all my friends that aren't in medicine have to do this mm-hmm. on their CVs. Yep. So... I think just in the two years that I've been doing everything, it's come such a long way from that first, you know, negative lecture to all the way now 
when I talked, I talked about my blog in every single interview I was on. So I think it was, I think it's pretty, pretty fabulous. Yeah, I think hopefully the mindset is changing. And it's funny because I just, I interviewed uh, Rohit from thebiopsy.com. I don't know if you've ever seen that mm-hmm. blog. But I was mm-hmm. talking to him and he's in the process of applying to medical school. And he was talking about how all of his friends, all of a sudden, all of their names changed on Facebook because they yep. didn't want to be found out. And it's yep. it's sad, but if and always, I mean, you need to stay professional, kind of in everything you do, mm-hmm. uh, whether or not you're going to medical school, whatever you do in life, right. you, you want to be professional. But right, okay. What one piece of advice could you tell your pre med self that would have made your life a little bit easier? I think, um, I think the one thing I, I wish I knew was actually the most stressful time was actually applying to medical school. And I was petrified that I would not get into medical school right away. And when I got to medical school, I, I came right out of college and I was one of the youngest in my class. And everyone comes to medical school with such diverse backgrounds, you know, people, you, you, and I, I, it was just such a stupid thing of me to think, I don't know. I, I really wish back then I would have known, you know, this is not, this is not the end of the world. Like there are so many other things out there that you can do. And if you really want to be a doctor, you will in time, everything happens, you know, in its own, in its own way. So I think that that's the one thing I personally, um, would have, would have liked to know beforehand. All right. That was some awesome stuff. Again, you can find links to everything we talked about at medicalschoolhq.net slash session 22. Those are the show notes. You can find Allison's blog at md2bgrecoa3.com. And you can find her on Twitter at grecoa3. If you have any questions for Allison or myself about anything we talked about today, Go to the show notes, again, medicalschoolhq.net slash session 22, and leave us a comment. I'll make sure Allison's checking the comments over there to uh, answer any questions you may have. As always, I hope the information provided today will help better guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Make sure to join us next time here at the Medical School Headquarters.